Hello and welcome to the First Rule of Film Club. I'm Hannah. I'm Eddie. And I'm Alex. Hello. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I thought we were all going to go, hello, at the same time. <laughs> we have to do it all over again. <laughs> and each week we come together to watch a film, have a chat about it, and play a silly game. So what film are we talking about this week? This week we are watching the film American Animals. Wow. Ooh. What's it about? Well, it's a true story. Uh, and IMDb says it's a film about four young men who mistake their lives for a movie and attempt one of the most audacious heists in US history. And that heist is basically that they're going to steal some really old books in their university library. Yeah, books that are worth millions and millions. Yeah, mm. so if you haven't seen it, turn off now because we're going to be discussing spoilers. If you like heist films, I think you'll like it. If you like kind of biopics, you'll like it. If you like animals, might like it. <laughs> birds? Yeah. I, I quite like birds, to be fair. Yeah. Well, so the film's called American Animals because the books that they're stealing are pictures of birds. Well, yeah. Well, I think that's like that's like a very surface level explanation yeah. of the title. I feel like they were trying to be smart with the title. Yeah. The film about heist. <laughs> yeah, I think it had a lot of meanings. The title, like, I think it was about like how we got here, you know, as animals ourselves, mm. and you know what money turns us into, mm. and the book was about animals. It was like you know, I think it was an interesting title. Mm. Mm. So, did you like it? What did you think? I flipping loved it. I haven't stopped thinking about it since we watched it. Yeah, I loved it. Like it's it's a really stressful film to watch. I had that panic, you know, that panic, you know, when you've got like match or a big, you know, like presentation or a, you know, just something, you know, that you're really dreading, you know, and that oh, feeling yeah. of stress of like the build up as it's getting closer and closer to the day and you know, closer and closer to like the minute, the hour, and you, you know, your throat closes up and you like I felt all of that and it's it's quite rare that a film has made me feel that stressed out. Mm. Mm. I get that every time I spend more than ten pounds at McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, it's that kind of like constricted feeling, like you, you're not sure what's going to happen to your body. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> I think this could be the end. This could be it. <laughs> yeah, you kind of get drawn in it with them as well because at the beginning it's quite glamorous and like the idea of a heist feels quite cool. There's the really memorable scene when they're talking about the plan of the heist and it has that song a little less conversation a little more, more action movie. underneath it yeah. and it ben feels ben so ben sick ben. and they're just like chucking the keys to each other but then the reality of the actual heist it just gets less and less like glamorous as it goes on mm. new york feels fun young sort of vibe and then amsterdam is sort of bluey and feels a bit more dingy and then by the time you get to the actual heist it's just absolute 100 percent stress yeah mm. it it kind of shows part of the film, I guess, is about how in, in our culture today, like we watch so many films and I think all of us kind of, you know, idolise, you know, these sort of like robbers, you know, there's so many films about, you know, people who do bank heists or killers or assassins and it seems so glamorous. But I think this film just really drills into like, you know, this is actually what it's like in real life. There's no glamour. If you rob somewhere and you've got to hurt someone, it's it's going to be messy. You can't just knock someone out, hit them on the back of the head and they fall over. Mm. Yeah, you can't exactly. tase someone and they knock out. It's, you know... I think the film really framed in like a great perspective the fact that although what they were trying to do was just steal these books, which is against the law, mm. it's kind of the thing that was their undoing was really how they treated people, you know, because it, it's a film about people. It's a film about how these people will behave to get what they want to try and make themselves feel special. And you only realise that at the end. I think the first half of the movie is very heisty, Mm. and feels like fun you kind of get swept up in it as well you want their heist to be successful you kind of want them to do it but then the second half of the movie is really like 
it's almost like it's unpicking the first half of the movie where it's trying to convince you that you should never have supported them in the first place because you know the the human factor of them like knocking out this librarian is such a huge trauma that you should never have considered it okay yeah and it actually makes you feel like a bit of a monster at the end of the movie mm. Mm. And i love films like that with that curve it's kind of like goodfellas or wolf of wall street where at the beginning you see the kind of glamorous side of this sort of you know crime life and then you see the reality of it and it all you think oh god actually this is just horrible mm. it's a bit like um when we watched bad education ages ago I felt like I loved that movie for similar reasons because you you liked him, but you could see how he turned into a villain kind of thing. Mm. I think it was the same with these main characters. Like you kind of felt such empathy for them, but somehow they had become bad guys. Mm. Somewhere in the middle of the movie, they they shift into being bad people. Yeah, because I feel like honestly, if I'd been at university and a couple of friends had said we're planning a heist and they'd shown me all the diagrams and all the planning, I probably would have you know got involved like i don't even know if i would have done it and gone through with it but i definitely would have been interested i definitely wouldn't have said no you know i'd yeah. want to have, you know i'd have heard them out at least but you know these the, the four main guys who do the heist you know they've all got pretty decent lives like they're all at university one of them's like he started his own business you know he's very well off none of them necessarily have anything that wrong with their life mm. but they're not happy because most of them are, you know they want to be artists and they feel like they don't have any pain they haven't had any trauma in their life so how can you be an artist without that mm. some of them feel like you know they've got a good life but everyone's got a good life everyone's you know they've just got a normal life they want to do something great and different yeah i think it all boils down to wanting to feel special mm. and that's kind of tied into the whole movie concept as well because everyone feels like they're the protagonist of their own life and that their life has this great dramatic curve and everything but actually when you get down to it at the granular level, you're just one person on a planet with seven billion other people. Mm. And, you know, is your life special? Probably probably not. <laughs> <laughs> so they're going to need a self-help Thanks podcast yeah. after this. <laughs> Are you special? Probably yeah. so, not. Yeah, if you're listening to this, you're probably not special, but, you know, rob a bank anyway. Just so well, like in the sense of, like, is someone going to make a movie of your life? feels unlikely but that but that isn't what makes you special or not and that's the thing is like they think that the only way that they can be special is to do this amazing heist and do this big thing that everyone's going to want to talk about and think of them as legends for but Mm. actually there are loads of ways to make your life special like having children and like bringing another life into the world or like teaching someone something or Mm. i think that was very much the angle the movie takes on the whole scenario is that they were trying to make themselves more special. Like, you know, they were looking for a way to get away from the crowd yeah, um, into the sort of less well-trodden path kind of way of living. The critique the movie's also making is that in America in general, there's too much of a focus on praising people for being average. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I do think that is a bit of an issue, is that, like, you know, you can surround yourself with people that are just happy with you no matter what you do. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like I think those characters in the movie just kind of snapped out of it for a second and realised that in their lives they were surrounded with people who were just happy with them whatever happened. In a weird way, that pushes them to extremes that they never thought mm-hmm. they would be capable of kind of yeah. thing. Just from that crippling fear of just being normal, you know, kind of just sort of push them to the limit. Mm. But kind of that sensationalised sort of version of being special that's in films, uh, combined with the fact that lots of people are being praised for being average, makes them miss things that actually do make them special and amazing. 
Yeah. Like that main guy, he's got a sports scholarship, which mm. is obviously really difficult to get and is an amazing achievement, but he just throws it away because it's not the version of being special that he thinks of. Or like the FBI guy wants to get that friendship back with him mm. and that's why he agrees to the plan. And friendship is something that's very unique and no one else can have like a similar friendship to you and that can make you special. But it's not the big glamorous type of being special. It's quite a pedestrian mm uniqueness yeah the philosophy of this film is very deep but also i'm kind of shifting in my own head a little bit towards how they made the film because mm. they interview like the real people as well in like a lot of the film they highlight a little bit which i think is kind of cool how much people just remember it differently yeah, it's a yeah. bit i tonya in a way mm. <laughs> um where like all of these different characters are saying well i'm pretty sure this happened oh no i'm pretty sure we were in the car and the film kind of shifts its own shape to match what they're saying. Kind yeah, of thing. it's really cool. It kind of morphs. There'll be the same scene of them talking, but you know, it cuts from them in the car to just them at a party talking because that's how they both remember it. Yeah. yeah. Or mm. this guy will have a blue scarf and they're not changed to purple because that was a really nice touch. There's some really nice little touches. Yeah, and then I think they address it at the end, don't they? That really all they have to go on now is their different recollections of why they did stuff, mm. but they did it. You know, yeah, the yeah, the fact remains. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no matter who kind of came up with it first, or you know, what they might think, you know, they yeah. did it. As soon as this film starts, you know, it's going to be like you know, a little bit edgy and a little bit kind of you know, nicely stylized because it opens yeah. up with this quote from Charles Darwin, and then the words fade out, and then a word appears in someone's eye, and they blink and it goes, and then it's like the shot of upside down, like you know, rural America just tracking along. Yeah, there's a lot of tension building at the very beginning. There's about five minutes straight of yeah. just like. High tension music, yeah. some jazzy boom, camera boom, boom. angles, upside down mm. stuff going mm. on. It hooks you straight away. Yeah, it's really good. There's quite a lot of bits where there'll be a really strong drum beat in the background, mm. and it slowly like builds, so it gets louder and louder. And then suddenly, someone will get into a car and they'll pull the door shut, but the door will shut at the same time as the next drum beat should have been, mm-hmm. and that's kind of like the music just stops. Mm-hmm. So it's like the rhythm of the film is quite pacey. Yeah, you're yeah. right. And listeners, we are intermission people, <laughs> and we always have an intermission, unless the film is gripping enough that we miss the intermission slot and we just carry it, we power on through, and this was a power on through kind of movie, you can't really pause it. Yeah. No. This film actually did feel a bit like a kind of heist simulator. So I've watched a lot of films with heists, and I thought, oh, that's quite exciting. But this one really made me feel like I was there in the room, like I was like in the van on the way there, thinking about, oh, God, what's going to happen? Mm. How's this going to play out? Getting stressed, like sweating. Well, yeah. as the audience, you're kind of with Spencer at that point, because when they go to do this heist the second time, Spencer goes to Warren and says, oh, I don't want to do this anymore, like I'm out. Mm-hmm. And as the audience, you're kind of there, you're like, yeah, I'm out as well. Don't do this. You haven't done anything wrong. This is the perfect situation. Like, just get Walk out away. of it now. Mm. And then obviously they don't and they go and do the heist again. Yeah. But it's he's the, kind of that audience mouthpiece of that's why it feels so tense because you're with him and you're almost seeing it through his eyes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. the first heist is a bit like of a mess. And uh, we watched that and it does make you feel a bit ill while you're watching it because you're just like, you feel so tense with them. And they don't do it, and it's actually such a relief. And then they do go through that sort of wobble, and your like reactions. I remember you saying like, "Yeah, just get out, just walk away, just walk away." And Eddie kind of said what I was thinking at that point, which was, "Actually, it's such an anticlimax if they don't do it, though." Yeah, 
because I'm still on board with the heist somehow. Yeah, like, I, want, I just want to see how it plays out. Yeah, like I've seen some of the reality, mm. but they have to do it for me to really understand what crossing the line is. Mm. And then as soon as they were actually doing the heist, I thought, holy shit, you know, actually I just did not want to see this. Yeah. Mm. Was, oh, man. And it goes on for so long as well. It's that situation where you're just like, please just make it end, just get out of there. Mm. Like after they've hurt the librarian... It, it basically splits down people into two camps. Either you're like, steal some books, otherwise it wasn't worth it, or you think, just stop now, because you, you're you never going to be able to stop at an earlier time than right now, so just leave. Mm. Yeah, you're so right. The whole idea of art in this film is quite interesting, because at the beginning, one of Spencer's reasons for wanting to do it is because great artists suffer. There's something there, an X factor, that makes their art un- unique and great because of that. Mm. And so they go out seeking this life-transforming experience that will make his art better. But then actually, at the end of the film, the art is more like a way for them to process what happened to them and like what they went through in crossing that line. Because mm. Eric, the guy who wanted to be in the FBI, at the end it pans over to him writing a memoir about American animals, so he's recourse to kind of writing as his art to process it. Um, Warren has gone to filmmaking... Mm. Chaz has gone to uh, sport and exercise and making his own kind of like plans and stuff, which I suppose could be like a format of processing it. The art of bodybuilding. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> the art of getting ripped. And then yeah. finally they have Spencer, who's become an artist, yeah. but he's mostly drawing paintings of birds, so he still can't get away from that yeah. time in his life. It's kind of like a be careful what you wish for, isn't it? You know, you want this dark, tortured life, then so you can become this dark, tortured artist. Mm. But, you know, you want the artist without the actual kind of darkness. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I think he was kind of right though in the end wasn't he like it, the, it, well i guess it worked out yeah like they've become i mean i'm not sure how good their art is yeah, is the thing i've heard, like, heard of them though yeah well i've heard of them so they must be doing quite well for themselves as artists anyway because this is big enough that i now know who they are mm. so yeah actually in a way they he was right from the start that mm. suffering breeds art i think yeah. as well at the beginning that it cuts to all these shots of like these rabbits being like mauled by like falcons and i think those are spencer's real life drawings Oh, are they not the drawings from the books that they try to steal? No, I think they're his. I'm not sure. But I read somewhere that they're his drawings. Oh, right. Double check that. Yeah. Yeah. This film has a real personal feel to it, doesn't it? I think someone... It's definitely like a passion that Mm. has gone into this film because the characters and the interviews are so like seamlessly woven in like a lot of work must have gone into mm. making this film the way it is all the characters are really fleshed out like you can completely see why all of them are doing this what their motivations are mm. i like that they all kind of gradually get brought in bit by bit and they all get their own kind of you know good bit of screen time yeah you know they all feel very real all those characters and i know they are real because mm. it's a true story but it's really getting down to the number of understanding why they did it and that's kind of why they're so fleshed out because mm. you each one has a motive and you understand how they got to that point and if any one of them, they had skimped on that or they hadn't shown, you know, here's the reason why they got involved in it, it would be unbelievable. Mm. Yeah. I think, Eddie, you did raise, like, a fairly decent um, objection after we'd watched the film that the last guy brought on... Uh, Chaz. Chaz, yeah. Chaz does not have that long of an arc in terms of getting on board with the project, yeah. does he? he? Yeah, he was the one I was the most dubious about why he would do it. Because he's, you know, he was an entrepreneur. He said he made his first business at the age of fourteen. Mm-hmm. So the other three, I can understand why their lives 
they felt like they hadn't done anything that exceptional. But I mean, he's already like owns his own, owns his own business. He's rich. I don't. I didn't really see why he wanted to do that heist. Maybe that's why. Maybe he was just kind of like wanting more. Yeah. Well, there's like really good like quote from that Sherlock TV show, where that guy just says, "Why does anyone do anything? Because they're bored." And I think that, <laughs> well, I think this film really kind of you know shows that you know that's right listener this podcast is the result of boredom yeah. <laughs> it's a result of lockdown <laughs> lockdown boredom yeah you know the acting as well so so good mm, it's great is it ready player one that i've seen the spencer guy in he's he's the wonder vision guy he's the brother wonder's brother in wonder vision no really yeah what warren yeah oh yeah warren yeah might be spencer might be ready player one yeah Okay, hang on, let me look. So Spencer is in Dunkirk. He's George yeah. in that. Doesn't look like he was in Ready Player One. Hey, fair He's enough. He's got similar features, though. Oh, Chaz was in Glee. <laughs> <laughs> really? What? <laughs> Impressive lives, these guys. Yeah. But they were all really good actors. Yeah, really, really strong. Mm. There wasn't a single performance that I didn't believe. No. And that's impressive, because some of them, like, they were on the edge, a lot of these people... And so, like, they were acting things that you don't see that often. Yeah, apparently the director asked all the kind of actors not to meet their real-life counterparts because he didn't want them to kind of be influenced by that too much or didn't, they didn't want them to sympathise with them. Mm. They wanted them to just kind of go in raw and just, you know, betray them realistically. Mm. Yeah. That's an interesting decision, I guess, because having the real people would surely help acting process quite yeah. a lot. But then I guess you might be you might want to kind of show them in a more positive light if you've got to know them and you know yeah. you get on with them. Mm. Because it's quite an unsympathetic portrayal, I guess. Actually, mm. yeah, I was surprised that all four of the real men involved actually got on board to record their side of the story. You know, I would have thought that some of them might have declined to be in it. It seems like they do all kind of regret. You know, none of them were like it was the right thing to do. They all completely realised that you know what they did was wrong. Mm. Yeah, and I mean, they all had like what seven years in prison. Like that's a long time to think about yeah. to stew over something like that. But the film doesn't cover the prison at all. No, it's almost like that moment when they cross the line of hurting the librarian and then regretting that moment for the rest of their lives. That's kind of the punishment that the film focuses on, not the actual mm. jail time. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, this film kind of has... It's quite a solid three-act movie because it's got the, like, heist planning phase, the heist, like, failing and achieving the heist, and then it's got the unravelling. This basically, it goes from, like, crazy but fun to just crazy to, like, unravelling and, like, just horrific, like, yeah. crazy, you know? Mm. Just feeling that guilt that they're feeling and just, you know, waiting, just waiting for them to get caught and just not knowing when, when it's going to happen. Yeah, because yeah, you never see that bit in a heist film. Because in a heist film, usually you get the heist planning, the heist going wrong in some sort of sense, and then ultimately the heist going right, and then maybe a five-minute scene where uh, Billy Ocean, or whatever his name is, is like, oh, yeah, good <laughs> job, guys. Didn't <laughs> <laughs> Billy Ocean like a country singer? Uh, yeah, maybe. It's Billy Ocean. In my head, I knew it was one of the other, and I was like, I'm going to punt for Billy. Billy yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sounds like a heist Fair guy. Enough. Billy Ocean could be in a heist movie. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'll be down for that. But, yeah. you know, Danny Ocean is never crushed by guilt. Or walking around a supermarket, yeah. kind of thinking about killing. Or himself. in the heist film, if it does go wrong, they'll get there'll be a big shootout at the end. It's not they won't just go home, have dinner, and then they're kind of glancing at the door, and then the police come in when mm. they're asleep. Mm. Well, a couple of days before we watched this movie, actually, I've watched Logan Lucky, which is a heist movie and is the complete opposite of this movie. It doesn't have any of that like unravel like madness to it. 
it's a really clean heist and the ending is them paying back all the people that helped them pull the heist off. So it's just like a good guy's story. Yeah. Ultimately, they get away with the heist and they manage to do it without there being any victims. And it, I can't think of a film that is more opposite to this. Like, it's just so <laughs> perfect that I watched that two days before. Mm. I think this is the perfect film to watch. If you're planning a heist in real life and you're not sure whether or not to go through with it, watch this. Just stick on if you know. <laughs> you won't go through with it. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> no matter how much planning you do, the heist will go wrong. Because like, they thought they'd really planned and taken into account every consideration and stuff, but then the reality of doing it was beyond anything they could have imagined. Yeah. you. I think, Hannah, you mentioned that like they keep calling like taking out the librarian is the thing they always skirt over in the planning meetings they keep calling it like we need this librarian to be a non-factor yeah he's using like out. ambiguous terms yeah. yeah like movie terms yeah and they think they can just do it but yeah. then when you're confronted with a real person it's such a different story mm. and i'm glad that they like represented that so vividly yeah there's that bit where he's talking to her and you know that he knows he's got to do it. He's just got to get the taser out and attack her. But they're just having this conversation and he's trying to prolong it as long as possible and she's got her back to him and he's like looking at the back of her neck. But he just can't bring himself to do it. He just can't... Uh, to attack another human being, because it's, it's weird, because this film kind of goes into, you know, humans and their animalistic nature. The fact that in normal, everyday society, people aren't really happy. They want to do something great and exciting and possibly violent. But then when you actually do something violent and, you know, the, it's probably more animalistic. Like to, to go in and to smash stuff and to steal and to attack is more in line with human nature. Yeah. But when they actually try and do it, they just can't. They can't bring themselves to do it. Mm. I'm about to get kind of deep, but I do think one of the beautiful things about this movie is that it really is a metaphor of the problem that it's trying to tell you about. It's like the problem is that we see too many heist movies and we just believe that you can take out someone, make them a non-factor, eliminate them or whatever, and it's just like not a big deal. Because in a video game, like you just hit them on the side of the head once and they're out and mm. it's fine, you just hide the body. Yeah. And um, in this film, it was like a real like cinematic, very like, you could believe that it's not real for a long time in this movie just because it feels like fiction. It's so like fluidly shot. It's nowhere near documentary style. Uh, but... That Hollywood like facade is the very thing that is almost fueling these characters, and it's how the movie's made as well. And I just think that's such a bizarre concept. Like it's mm. another layer of meta yeah. that I've never seen before in a movie. There's bits when they're watching other heist films within the film. Yeah. Or they're talking about Shawshank Redemption. They're saying like, "Oh, you know, wouldn't it be awesome? We'll be on that beach at the end, you know, on the boat." And the other guy's like, "Yeah, but they have to go to prison for twenty years to get to that point, though." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's such a good point. <laughs> <laughs> you know, sometimes you just dumbfound me. You, like, hit me with a great point, and I'm just here, like, whoa. <laughs> yeah. Right? Well. Ratings? Yes. You go first, Eddie. I think I'd give this an 8 out of 10. A solid 8. Like, honestly, like, the stress that it felt, just, I've, I haven't, it's been a long time since the film's made me feel that bad. I haven't seen Uncut Gems. I know you, mm, Alex, mentioned that. Yeah. Um, that's almost put me off watching that now. Yeah. But it's just it's just a testament, you know, any piece of art that can make you feel anything so strongly is, you know, a good piece of art. Yeah. It was just really I thought it was really slick, it was great, like it gripped me from start to finish. And, you know, there's a lot to think about afterwards, you know. So yeah. Solid eight. Crisp eight. 
A crisp eight. That is a good rating. Yeah, like it really has stuck in my head. Yeah, like I think I would. I'm even going to give it a solid nine because mm-hmm. it is hard to watch. But if you persevere through the really like kind of sticky parts, I think there's so much in this movie. Mm. Yeah, I think I'll go for an eight, eight and a half because it is a great film and it's so unusual as well because when we were watching it, I was saying it's a bit like The Social Dilemma in Mm. the sense that you've got that kind of dramatised version of the real events, but they take it to the absolute extreme. There's no graphs, there's no like real footage apart from right at the end. So for that reason, it's so unique. But then again, I wouldn't want to watch it again. It was too stressful. (laughs) But I wouldn't hesitate in recommending it to someone else. You have to watch this at least once in your life. But then after that, you probably won't want to revisit. Oh, uh, yeah. I'd say, like, check your blood pressure yeah. just, just yeah, before yeah. you sit down health concerns, don't, yeah. maybe don't watch it. Yeah. <laughs> or if you're feeling a bit delicate, you know, yeah. maybe leave it for another time. Or if time. you've just done a heist or committed a crime and you're kind of feeling a bit stressed out, you might yeah. get caught. Oh, like, this God. is not going to be, like... <laughs> It's not going to take your mind off it, really. Maybe, it, it probably, if you're pregnant as well, maybe, like... Maybe not, yeah. Could affect the your baby. kid might somehow. grow up to become know. a bank robber. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Consult your doctor. Definitely consult doctor. Yeah. So, I've got a little game. Ooh. Oh, yes, I've missed these games. <laughs> so, the game is, I'm going to play the sound of an American animal. Oh, no. And you oh. have to tell me what animal it is. Oh. Oh my god, I didn't even know there were animals that only lived in America. Yeah. <laughs> They're just going to be like a yak or a buffalo. They're like animals that you definitely live in North America. Okay. Not, not exclusively. <laughs> yeah, I've tried to pick animals where I think you'll recognise the noise. You might as well not even play me the noise. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Oh, oh, that's gosh. such a grim noise. I thought, did you fart there? Is that what that was? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't get that. Part of me wants to say play it again, but part of me also doesn't want to hear that again. That was like, you know, girls seeing Justin Bieber, wasn't yeah. it? <laughs> <laughs> That's like me watching To All The Boys I Love Before. <laughs> a kissing scene. <laughs> okay, my real guess is, is donkey. Uh, like, like a pig? Like a wild bull? <laughs> Mm, that's quite a good guess. No, it's neither of those things. I can't oh. decide which of you's closer. <laughs> it's hard. It's a hard. Probably match. Alex is a little bit closer. Oh. It's a moose. Oh, mm. a moose. It's a sort of four-legged animal. God, they are loud animals, aren't they? Creech, oh, screech. So what is going on there? So you get one point. So Alex has got one. Eddie's got zero. Right. Next one. <laughs> Are these kind of sex sounds for each of these animals? I think these creatures are doing something yeah. that you know, is creating more little creatures. Yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think that's a chimp. Oh, you see, although you don't really get guess. monkeys in America. Oh. Uh, you know that video of like the desert rain frog, where it's going like. <laughs> it sounded kind of familiar to me. So I, maybe it's like some kind of frog, like a bullfrog or something. I don't know. I think Eddie's closer with chimp. Oh. It's a raccoon. Oh. It has little opposable hands. So. Apparently they're pretty savage. I love raccoons. <laughs> and they could rip you limb so from limb if they want to. I think I'd love to be a raccoon though, if I get reincarnated. I'd love to be like a, a raccoon that steals from banks. Yeah. 
a sly raccoon. Or just steals out of bins and just gets to eat human food like pizza and stuff. Mm. I saw a raccoon stealing out of a bin once and I was so excited. I was like, oh my God, it's a raccoon because we don't have them over here in England. And the guy who was in like the group with us, who was American, he was like, Hannah, no, do not go near the raccoon. It's a dirty, dirty animal. Mm. I love raccoons. It's That's not very nice. It's a bit yeah. savage against the raccoon, isn't it? Yeah, yeah anyway. <laughs> <laughs> That's like a seagull or something. I feel like I know the animal that this is. Like I've definitely heard that before. It is kind of seagully, but it could be a pelican. Like it could be. Um, mm. Oh no, it's probably a seagull. I don't want to go like off script here and lose a point. <laughs> <laughs> it's risky. Remember, these are from North America. North oh, America. North American seagull. <laughs> it's not a North American seagull. Oh, is it um, a pelican? It's a bird that we literally have here. In the town. Pigeon. A uh, uh, swan. Uh, goose. goose. Yes. A Canadian goose. Oh. Uh, uh, that's smart. Okay, so you both get a point for that. So you're on two all. Oh, okay. nice. We, get, we still get that's a point good. for that. Okay. <laughs> North American seagull. or something oh I do not like that noise okay I've got an idea though I've got an idea it sounds like a bit like you know if you got really close to a cricket mm. they yeah. do that thing where they kind of rub, rub their, their legs, legs along their body or something yeah. and it, it, like I don't know it causes some weird vibration mm. what do you think Eddie I think like a wasp or a bee Going or like vroom. flying past you vroom. in a circle yeah, vroom. <laughs> vroom. <laughs> and this is the Doppler effect yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think Alex is closer again. Really? It's an American bullfrog. No, you're kidding me, it's a bullfrog. Yeah. I can't believe I thought the other one was a bullfrog and now I'm like way off base. But how's a cricket closer to a frog than a bee? <laughs> <laughs> well, because a wasp flies, doesn't it? Whereas at least a cricket is kind of, it's a land ball. Still has to walk. Yeah, I guess they both leap. Yeah. I used to have this great picture of a really grumpy looking bullfrog on my locker at school <laughs> um, because like there was, I don't know why it was just like such a funny picture and it was about how frogs can sense earthquakes mm. do you know when frogs throw up they don't throw up the sick they throw up their own stomach out their mouth and then they just take all the food out oh. with their hands then swallow the stomach again oh why? no they don't do that that's yeah, so yeah. great really? the lesson here though is that you know if you see a bullfrog running away mm. You should run away as yeah. well. The earthquake is about to <laughs> attack you. <laughs> oh, it's like a bear. Yeah. <laughs> Oral so, sexual, like, I don't so know if it's long. Oh, um. Yeah, I think that is like a, a grizzly bear yeah. kind of thing. Like it just sounds like it's gonna hit me once, and I'm and I'm like yeah. hundred health to zero health yeah. in one hit, basically. Yeah. <laughs> I played enough video games to recognise that specific sound of. Yeah. Uh, yeah. North American brown bear. Yeah, it's actually a grizzly bear. Uh, so Alex got exactly correct. Oh. But I'll give you both the point because you both got bear. Yeah, yeah. it's only fair. Okay, so Alex is ahead one point. So this is the last one now. So Eddie, you need to win to draw. Otherwise, it's Alex's. Okay. Yeah, mate. There's pressure. I need to just try and get a stalemate. 
<laughs> oh, that's like a turkey. Oh my god, that actually is a turkey. I mean, it's like the gobble, gobble, gobble. Yeah, okay. I, I mean, to be honest, I don't want to steal your turkey answer, so I'm probably just going to go for like a seal or something. <laughs> <laughs> no, you can go for turkey. What if it's a seal, though? I mean, uh, won't you look like you've got egg That's on your true, face? That's true, yeah. If I lose by two points. Yeah. Then... It is a turkey. Yeah. Oh, that's such bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> and so concludes the American Animals game. Oh, I, was, yeah, I quite like that game. I feel like I learned a lot about nature today. That was difficult and mm. actually kind of gross. Like, I'm quite glad that yeah. I, I'm not near those animals. Yeah, <laughs> a bit, yeah, a bit grim. So, what film are we watching next week? We're watching the new Tom Hanks film on Netflix, but I don't know the name of it. Oh, News of the World. News of the World, that's it. There you go. So next week we're watching News of the World. And if people want to get in touch with us to tell us their thoughts, how can they do that? Well, you could send us an email at filmclubrules at gmail.com. Nice. Or you could send us an Instagram message at filmclubrules. Perfecto. So join us next week for News of the World. Oh, it's yeah. going to be so good. Honestly, you should watch it. It's going to be amazing. It's on Netflix. It's got Tom Hanks in it. I mean, what could go wrong? Oh, my God. I'm <laughs> going to be famous last week. Let's <laughs> go home and watch News of the World. Yeah. <laughs> okay, bye, 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 bye. 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 bye.